0: Hey, it's Lisa.
1: From Gimlet, it's Startup, the podcast about what it is really like to start a business. I'm Alex Bloomberg.
2: And I'm Lisa Chow. And we're going to start here. Hi. It's Sunday night, and in an apartment in Brooklyn, a woman named Jen is looking at her phone.
3: So it's it's a few minutes till 7, and um, every week at 7 o'clock, I get my match from the dating ring. Jen is a client
2: of Dating Ring, the company we're following this season, and this is a weekly ritual for her and hundreds of other Dating Ring clients. Sunday night is when Dating Ring matchmakers send out their matches. Jen's been through this a few times before, and while she waits, she shows my producer, Lisa Pollock, pictures of previous matches. She's looking for one in particular.
3: I think it was this match... She
2: scrolls through his photos, and in every one, he looks like a goofball.
3: He's actually being nerpled in this shot. And
2: Do you think
1: we'll
3: have to define that? A gentleman off screen is squeezing his nipple through his shirt. Um, this doesn't like project I'm serious about
0: meeting someone.
3: No, I mean, he looks like he'd be a lot of fun to go drinking with, but... That was really the only one where I felt like the match was off.
1: But Nurple guy aside, Jen says she's been pretty satisfied with the matches she's gotten from Dating Ring. Jen's in her 30s. She works in advertising. And Jen says she looks forward to this moment on Sunday night when she finds out who her new match is. It's like a
3: present. I'll just say it. It's a, it's the It's kind of fun because, you know, it could very well be a dud. But there's always like the possibility that it could be a really great match. But not all dating ring clients feel this way.
2: Ten miles north of Jen, in a different part of New York City, in a different apartment, I was sitting with another dating ring client, a guy named John. And John, he was having much more complicated feelings as he waited for his match. Is there any excitement at all before you open a match? Like when you get one?
4: Well, um, I guess a little bit just to see. But at this point, I don't know... I don't know, maybe there's something wrong with me. I just don't feel like I can connect with these people. Unless the girl's like really unattractive and she thinks I'm great, that seems to be the way it works. I don't know why I say that. Some of the people that were I thought were the same caliber as me, they never seemed to be interested. Last episode, we heard how Dating Ring relaunched its entire
1: service, how it added technology and changed features around based on customer feedback. Today on the program, we see what that new service looks like if you're a Dating Ring client, and we learn how brutally judgmental Dating Ring matchmakers have to be in their quest to bring love to the world.
5: Okay, so come this way. It's a really, really tiny office. It's like the size of your backpacks. So good luck. It's 10
2: in the morning on a Friday, and I have just arrived at the Dating Ring office in downtown New York. The matches Jen and John are waiting for, this is where they're made. A tiny office in a co-working space. There's a couch, a couple of filing cabinets, Emma, a co-founder of Dating Ring, and the company's chief matchmaker, Shows me how she does it.
5: Okay, so I'm in the matching queue, which is uh, exactly what it sounds like. Um, The queue where all of the people who need matches live. So I'm seeing, you know, little thumbnail pictures of them and their name, their gender, their age. Emma can see
2: where they live, their likes and dislikes. And then there's one piece of data that customers probably don't even know exists. It's something I saw when I watched one of the matchmakers, Eva, putting a match together. So I noticed So there's this line that says attractiveness, and the guy's getting a six, and the woman is getting a seven. Eva glances over at her boss, Emma, who's sitting nearby.
5: Um, <laughs> You're fine. <It's laughs> whoa, okay. whoa, 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 whoa. This is just the first time we've discussed our rating system uh, publicly.
0: Yeah.
3: Um. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um. Great. (laughs) Sorry, I'm like looking to Emma for guidance. I don't know what I'm allowed to and what I'm not allowed to. Yeah. No. Yeah, there are a lot of things are taken into
2: account for um, attractiveness. It's not like who I think is hot. It's
5: about demographics, like.
2: Eva explains the rating depends on your pictures for sure, but also how the people you're matched with are reacting to you. So if you've had lots of responses, that can bump your score up not so many responses, that can bump your score down. But the main determinant of your attractiveness score is Dating Ring's CEO,
6: Lauren. We match people within one attractiveness point. Uh, so a five could be matched with a four through a six, but we ideally shoot to match people within the same grouping. You
2: are the arbiter of attractiveness for Dating Ring. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big role, and it's a lot of kind of power in this system
6: yes although what's funny is if you went in we can do this and and rated everyone you would probably rate everyone almost the same i've done it with you know different people in the company and i guess the reason it doesn't feel so evil is because when it comes down to it it's not me rating how attractive do i think this person is is how attractive do i think the gender this person wants to date will view them and the main reason for this is just, like, studies show that people tend to date people of similar levels of attractiveness, and our whole goal is to try and increase the probability that two people will actually meet up. And we get a lot more angry messages if we match someone with someone they think is much less attractive.
2: So you're saying it's pretty easy to tell the difference between a 7 and a 6? Do you want to do it? Um... <laughs>
1: okay. She really put you on the spot there, didn't she?
2: Yes, she did. And I really didn't want to do it. Um, it felt incredibly uncomfortable to be looking at photos of people and rating them on something that they have little control over. I mean, it just feels mean. But I'm a reporter, of course. And sometimes <laughs> intrepid. <laughs> intrepid. you got to go where the story takes you, Lisa. So... Lauren opened her laptop and showed me photos of a woman. Ready? Okay. I've come up with a number in my mind. You have come up with a number. Okay. Um, ugh, this is hard. Mm-hmm. This is so hard for me. Um, I mean, I guess I would say
6: a four or five. Um, yeah. Well, you want to say a four. The reason you're saying four or five is because you're new to this. And you want to rate everyone higher.
2: (laughs) But she tells me this woman's a four. And we look at another profile. This one is a guy. Oh, it's hard. A five or six? That's exactly I was debating between five or six. So again, Lauren and I were perfectly aligned, which really surprised me. I thought her five would be really different from my five.
1: It feels like... It's somehow nice to think that. Like, I want to believe that, right? Like, beauty is in the the
2: eye of the beholder, but not in this case. Um,
6: Okay, one more.
2: Okay. I would say a five or a six.
6: Uh, Five, yeah. If you look at her, there's nothing about her that makes her extremely attractive. And there's nothing about her that makes her unattractive. So she's a five. And there's nothing wrong with that. But she's... She's an average-looking woman. Right, right, right. So, see, you could be the arbiter of attractiveness as well. You know, unfortunately, due to societal beauty standards, it's pretty easy to know where people are going to fall.
2: Does it feel weird to be rating someone's
6: attractiveness? Yeah, it feels horrible. And so it's the sort of thing, yeah, people are really uncomfortable when they hear that we rate people. But then when we explain, well, if you're going to set up your friend on a blind date, you probably would make sure the date wasn't much less attractive than her. And also you'd probably make sure they weren't so much more attractive that they would never give her a chance.
2: Is the attractiveness rating something you tell customers about?
6: Oh, no. Oh, no, we definitely don't. I mean, there have been times where I've been like, I want people to see this, and I wish people had a better understanding of the overall picture of online dating. Because, yeah, you will get some people who will be like, why are all my matches so ugly?
2: And What do you tell them?
6: I mean, we'll ask them for specific physical preferences. I don't know if I've seen this anywhere, but I'm pretty sure people sort of, like, adapt to liking certain people of their level. Like, I'm really attracted to guys with big noses. And I used to, like, when I was young, I used to be attracted to, like, really pretty blonde boys. And then as I got older and rejected by all of them, I started being attracted to, like, cute guys, but guys who weren't, like, so beautiful. And I think most people who have active dating and sex lives do that right it's like survival (laughs) to learn to be attracted when there's a chance that it's mutual
2: lauren says she doesn't enjoy rating people she does it because she has to she's judgmental because people are judgmental and if you work at dating ring you understand that's a reality you have to accept especially when you're receiving all these comments from customers here's emma reading some of them
5: I would meet John, although I hope he's cut his hair. 6'5 is a little too tall. Do you have any 6'2 Nordic guys on your list? Oh my God, it's three inches. Are you kidding? Three inches? We're going to be picky about three inches? No. Oh, ideal looks are cute natural beauties like Rachel Weiss, Natalie Portman, Anne Hathaway, and Zoe Deschanel. And I basically said, like, I'm sorry, this isn't that helpful. I need you to be more specific. Do you only like brunettes? Is that what you're saying? Because that's helpful. I like someone who went to an Ivy League school that can challenge me. Or Georgetown, WashU, U, Stanford, UCLA.
1: Dating Ring gets comments like this all the time. I want someone who looks like Taylor Swift. I want someone who's a triathlete, who went to Harvard. I'm fine with someone who's an accountant, but I definitely don't want a lawyer. And most of the requests Dating Ring can actually accommodate, they're actually helpful. Dating Ring wants to know your preferences. But sometimes... What we want and what we can actually get are not the same things at all.
2: And Emma spends a lot of time with her clients trying to find some
5: middle ground between their dreams and reality. A large part of my job is teaching people to manage their expectations. I would say 40% of the matchmaker portion of my job. And it almost always pays off. A lot of it is whittling down that list of deal breakers that everyone has. Because you can't really say that like, he has to be Jewish, and he has to be over 5'10", and he has to have a master's degree, and he like, has to have green eyes. And for some people, I think, okay, you'll find him, but like, or her. But, you know, it might be a while. And for some people, I have to say, I have to be honest with you, I, I think you invented that person. Like, I don't think that they are born yet. Like, we're not a factory. I mean, and, and of course, like, I would never want anyone to settle, you know, because that idea is so terrible. You should never settle. But the idea that a person's essence and who they are and how compatible you'd be with them is wrapped up in, you know, their inches and their eye color is crazy,
1: but asking people to lower their expectations, have fewer deal breakers, get less caught up in instant gratification, that's fine advice if you're someone's friend. But if you're a business, that message is a tough sell, something Dating Wings founders are well aware of. Here's Lauren.
6: No one on Tinder is going to be like, hey, you're actually swiping left on far too many people who are your level of attractiveness and you're being too picky. Like They're not going to do that. Um, so I think people get a very false sense of the dating options out there because it seems unlimited when it's really not
2: basically you're like asking people to pay you to tell them to
6: lower their expectations (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's a tough business and it's something we've debated a lot like do people want to pay us to tell them that, that they're being too picky um which we're not doing all of the time. But occasionally if someone seems to be having no luck and really just doesn't know. Because there are definitely a group of people who think, well, I'm a 5 and I want a 10, but I just need to wait long enough. And we have to tell them no. no. But yeah, it's hard and we're constantly debating like, what our, our model should be. I don't know. We, we went into this thinking... That we knew the reasons why online dating was bad and that they were possible to fix. And now, yeah, so much of my thinking has been that the problem isn't technology. It's it's people's expectations because of technology. Coming up, when you're in the business of telling people
2: what they can't have... How do you create happy couples? And those two dating ring clients we met at the top of the show, John and Jen, will watch them get their matches.
1: That's after these words from our sponsors.
2: Hello and welcome back to Startup a podcast about what it's really like to start a business. And this season, we're following an online matchmaking company called Dating Ring. And when you're a dating company, the most important thing you're selling is the possibility of love.
1: And on Dating Ring, clients sometimes find love, like this next woman, Becca. She was living in New York City, busy with graduate school. She'd been dating, but she hadn't really met anyone who blew her away.
0: I think this is like everybody's typical pattern. I realized that I hadn't been on a date in a while. And so I signed up for Dating Ring.
1: Becca heard about this big trip that Dating Ring was putting together. They were flying a bunch of New York City women out to San Francisco for a weekend of blind dates. It was sort of a publicity stunt, but they were also trying to find people dates. And Becca decided to sign up for it. She got to San Francisco, and one of the blind dates that Dating Ring organized for her was at a wine bar.
0: And I walked into the wine bar and was feeling just a little bit flustered because a few of us were running late. And Emma introduced me to my date.
1: Becca was so flustered about being late that she never caught her date's name. But that faded in importance because she was just so into him.
0: We were having this conversation and getting to know each other in a way that I hadn't felt with anybody. I just remember thinking it didn't even matter what his name was. I I just didn't feel like the time had passed. And suddenly, you know, we never finished that glass of wine. <laughs> and it was like three hours later <laughs> because I, both of us were just so caught up in the conversation.
1: Becca did eventually get his name, Christopher, from her matchmaker, Emma, who was sitting at the same bar not far away from them. And being at this bar was unusual for Emma. She's usually in the office when her clients are going out. But because of this dating event, she had this rare opportunity to see two people that she'd matched actually go out. And in this case, fall for each other.
5: I was sitting in the bar like a creepy voyeur watching them fall in love. Everyone else in the bar emptied out. Literally everyone else left. And they were, they I don't think, had looked up from each other's faces the entire time. Just like beaming, smiling. It was unbelievable. It was, like, the most gratifying moment ever. And, and talking to her the next day, she was just, like, glowing. I was like, oh, I could quit tomorrow, and this would have been so worth it, this whole job.
1: Becca and Christopher started dating, and about six months later, she moved across the country to be with him.
5: And what started
2: in the wine bar between Becca and Christopher, this is exactly why John and Jen, the Dating Ring clients we met at the top of the show, signed up for Dating Ring. The promise of something like this, which brings us back to where we started. Sunday night, two separate apartments, one in Brooklyn, one in Manhattan. John and Jen each waiting for their matches, for the text that might offer them the chance to fall in love. What
4: is this? It's the 40-year-old version. I'm watching this movie, and the guy reminds me me a
2: little bit. He reminds you of you?
4: yeah.
2: I'm in John's apartment, and you might also remember him from the first episode of our season, when he sat down with Emma to tell her why he thought he hadn't
5: found love
6: yet.
4: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a little undateable.
5: You're not undateable. Oh, Oh, I promise you you're not.
4: I don't know. I think I, when I go on a date, I give off, I admit or I give off a certain vibe that, like, repels girls away from me.
2: Since that meeting, Emma has been trying to find John a match. And you can tell pretty quickly when you spend time with John, as I have, that he's just really frustrated with dating in general. He seems to remember each and every rejection.
4: The girl in the park, the girl in Atlanta, the girl you're asking me too many questions, the girl from HBO, the Melissa, the girl I knew from uh, studying in law school. They all just kind of, like, got turned off with me. Even when I got past the initial, the looks were good enough. I don't know. It's weird. But it happens to a lot of guys. But I think it happens to me more. I think I have what it takes to be in a relationship. But I think the girl has to understand where I'm coming from and have patience. And, like, anything else, they have to invest their time in me. And, like, any other investment, there's a return on the investment. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what the problem is. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not, like... Mr. Smooth Talking, or I don't have a, a house in the Hamptons, I don't have a yacht docked over here down by the financial center. I live in a studio apartment that's 600 square feet with the cat I love. And if, and I, maybe that just wasn't good enough for those people.
2: So I should say here, John is a good looking guy.
4: You want to
1: put a number on him?
2: No, 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 no way. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do that. But let's just say, on the surface, he shouldn't be undateable. He's 40, divorced, and he's been on Dating Ring for about six months. He's also tried a bunch of other dating apps and sites. Match, OkCupid, okay Plenty of Fish, Tinder, Bumble. And when we look over some of the matches that Dating Ring has sent him, there's more than 30. He easily convinces himself why some of them wouldn't want to go out with him.
4: It's like if I like the girl, and it's like, oh, she didn't write me back and I have to beat myself up over it over the next day. It's just, I hated the emotional pain. I really, it really, da- it really hurt me. Maybe damaged me, I don't know, but it really did hurt me. So that's probably what I have. So to do. So
2: it be. triggers like all these other feelings. It triggers
4: killings. a lot. Yeah, it triggers a lot. It, its I mean, I've been on a lot of dates and it hurts. It sucks. And it's, it just confirms what I thought that it's never going to be like, it just has to be someone I have to talk myself into. Like this girl here, I would definitely go out with her. But she's so high-end, 5'10", with the tennis record. She's good looking, tall. She worked on Dubai and London or whatever. Like they, I'm a working class guy from Staten Island. I look like a working class guy. I look like Sylvester Stallone, even though I'm a lawyer myself. But my parents came, I come from humble beginnings. My mother never graduated from high school. My father was a bus driver. So she's not going to go for that. I'm just telling you.
5: We're providing an experience, dating, which is largely negative.
1: Again, Dating Rings co-founder Emma Tesler. And Emma told our producer Lisa Pollock that she sympathizes with John. She has a lot of clients who feel the same way about dating that John does.
5: Nobody's like, oh my God, I loved dating and searching and 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 getting rejected and getting hopeful and, and then having those hope stash. Nobody says that, you know? A few people have fun with it, but the vast majority of people, it's very stressful. And and so we're providing them with a product that is inherently not that enjoyable. We are trying to make it better, but are we trying to turn it into, like, donuts? No, that's impossible.
1: Did you realize that when you became co-founder of a dating company? No,
5: um, but I figured it out pretty quickly. (laughs) Well, it's funny because now, like, I think, oh, my God, why didn't we pick, like, a product people like? What were we thinking? I mean, Lauren and I have talked about this, and we've said, like, If we ever start another business, we are going to give them like a physical product and it's going to be something cool, you know, like a sweater. Nobody's like, oh, sweaters. I hate that.
1: Emma says that the truth is for a lot of people, dating requires stamina and persistence. Dating ring can save you the hours you might be spending swiping and searching through profiles. Dating ring can stock your pool full of potential soulmates. But you still have to cast your line over and over.
2: Oh, oh, here we go. Back in Brooklyn, Jen, the other dating ring client we met at the beginning of the episode, reads her matchmaker's note.
3: Jen, meet David. Learn more about David here. And then there's a link. David is such a sweet, light lighthearted, easygoing personality. He's really close with his family, and he loves to socialize, try new things, and take in all the great arts the city has to offer. He's definitely got a sense of adventure, loves to travel, and is a big runner. Hey, he's also an expert skier, so watch out. I think you'll really dig his energy. I hope you two connect. Smiley face. Great. I'm digging this, this is, this is
2: great. David's cute, he's smiling in all his photos, which, Jen tells Lisa Pollock, our producer, is something she always looks for. Overall, how
1: are you feeling about this match?
3: It's hard, I mean, again, I won't know until we either talk on the phone or have coffee or a drink, but offhand, yeah, I mean, he likes the arts, he's close with his family, he loves to travel, he's a runner, he skis. So, yeah, I think this is well-matched. So what are you gonna do? I'll probably wait until tomorrow to message him. I play a little bit of the game we all do <laughs> at this point
4: for this week i'm really excited to match you with kelly she's brilliant funny and beautiful she loves to go biking hiking and is really spontaneous she is close with her family and has really similar values and sensibilities as you she also is a great cook, smiley face. She's down to earth.
2: In Manhattan, John, the guy who thinks he's undateable, he's also gotten his match with a note from his matchmaker, Emma.
4: Shoot her a text and let me know how it goes. And here's a picture, 33, five foot two. She went to school in Rhode Island, self-employed, commercial space planning and design, and she's Catholic. And here's a picture. One of a bunch of them.
2: Okay, and tell me what you think.
4: She looks good there. Oh, yeah, she's really cute. Yeah, I'll definitely write to her.
2: (laughs) Are you excited?
4: I'm excited. Let's see if she writes back.
1: (laughs) As for Jen, even before she had a chance to text her match, he texted her that very same night. from an upcoming episode after these words from our sponsors.
2: Coming up on Startup, we'll find out what happens with Jen and John and their matches, and we'll explore some of the thornier issues that Dating Ring has to contest with in dating.
6: So yeah, we were like, let's not waste anyone's time by pretending the world is colorblind. This isn't elementary school. We're not going to sit and lecture people about how they should be race-blind. And, I mean, people are attracted to who they're attracted to. The difficult decisions you make while running a dating company? That's coming up on a
2: future episode of Startup. This episode was reported, edited, and produced by Lisa Pollock and Caitlin Roberts. We also got editing help from Caitlin Kenny.
1: Tomorrow, May 22nd, we are launching our third show, Mystery Show. Yay! Host Starly Kine solves everyday mysteries. It is amazing. We've been working on it for months, and I'm so excited that it's coming out. That show launches Friday, May 22nd. We are all very excited about it. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. You won't be disappointed. The Startup website was designed in partnership with Athletics. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. The Reverend John Delore mixed this episode. Season 2 of Startup features brand new original music written and performed by John Delore with his bandmates Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, Osama McGregor, John Ladeau, and Dominic Falacaro. Their band? Hotmoms.gov.
2: To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe to Startup or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup. You can follow me at Abex Lumberg. You can follow Lisa at Lisa E. Chow. I'm Alex Bloomberg.
2: And I'm Lisa Chow. See you on the next episode of Startup.